我是 Hey. Ah,、uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Thirteenth Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And I like James is very muted. Hey, at the beginning, it's I know. Very solemn. <laughs> I think a lot of our listeners might even miss it, and that's okay. James is here. Don't worry. James, yeah, you don't have to worry about James. He would never miss a recording. Can you imagine? <laughs> no. James, would you ever miss a recording? I don't think that would be possible. Yeah. Okay, good. I was just gonna say. I'm glad not even death would stop you, James. I can appreciate that kind of commitment. <laughs> oh my、Fair、gosh.、Point. Um, James, how have you been? Been good. Been good.、Uh, been busy.、Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, Happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this the day it was、uh, released, you better be America. You better be listening to this with your family at the table. At yeah, the table. right now they all、this、better be looking. This is the accoutrement to turkey.、Mm-hmm. Even that incredibly offensive grandma, she better be listening. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I don't care if you're tired from all of that turkey that you just ate. This is a very exciting episode because James, what are we talking about? Ghost turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about scary tech. Scary technology. Fun fact. Turkeys are kind of a scary technology. They're they're a weird example of selective breeding, because like wild turkeys have little bitty chests and they can fly and they're really hard to kill. Whereas like the butterball turkeys, they're so big, their breasts are so big that they have to be like artificially、oh. bred. Wow, it's kind of spooky. No, I don't like no, that at all. Turkeys、yeah. are spooky. Yeah. Tur- James, how dare you! Like I am so excited to be eating turkey. I've been yeah, craving exactly. it like crazy. People can eat a spooky bird while they listen to our spooky show. All, all、right. about those big-breasted turkeys. There it is, you guys. And if you don't like turkey, like maybe you're eating ham. Do you have any weird, weird ham facts, James? <laughs> no, ham's pretty, pretty、uh, non-spooky. <laughs> ham's non-spooky. I、Alex. don't know if people knew this, but ham comes from cows. Alex, my gosh! Is that like, a plot twist for everybody? Did everybody just learn that? I don't even know. I don't. <laughs> I've got nothing. J- James to say is that. silently sitting there, going, "Does he really think that?" Yeah, that's that's a weird conspiracy theory. I, I would love if Alex Jones insisted on that. <laughs> Globalists—they're lying to you. They want you to think ham comes from pigs, but I've seen it. Ham comes from cows. <laughs> you know, I actually read online that some people eat spaghetti and meatballs for Thanksgiving, which.、Mm. You know what? That sounds yummy too. I can't imagine eating it on Thanksgiving, but I wouldn't be opposed. What, James? What's what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten on Thanksgiving? Um, one time I was traveling, so I had turkey at Hard Rock Cafe in Florida. That was、oh, wow. <laughs> Hard Rock Cafe turkey does、yeah. sound a bit dismal, James. Yeah, I was a kid, and I also played a a grown man at Mortal Kombat two, and he beat me. And I remember that too. It was the same day. Wow, that like, sounds like, like a probably the same hour. <laughs> and he never played Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat again. <laughs> no, it seems very, very like very vivid memory to have. So it must have、mm-hmm. really affected you. Is that yeah, why you are the way you are? I can smell the turkey、are? talking about it to you guys. It's weird.、Oh, man, weird how that works. Is pungent? Very pungent. Hard <laughs>、okay. rock turkey. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, uh. So the a little fun fact. Did you know that、um, Mortal Kombat was actually inspired by something in the、uh, Finnish church? What? Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah, it was inspired by a Finnish hymn. 
Yeah, I knew it was coming. I don't get that <laughs> at all. Smell that one a mile away. <laughs> right oh, over my head. You know what? Let's move on. Let's move on to some hearty hellos, okay? Anyone that's laughing at that, you're my favorite person. <laughs> Today, we are going to say hello to everybody in Chile. Because we don't usually have, like, our listenership in South America is always fairly low, but Chile's listening right now. So, Did hi, you? guys. We also want to give a big shout out to Spain. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Spain. And then Me here too. in the States, we're going to give a hearty hello to all of our listeners in Maine. You're my Maine men or women. I think it's awesome. Like, Maine, I guess just like the the Northeast makes me think of turkeys. Hmm. And just like, you know, maybe it's just because that's where the settlers. Pilgrims? You yeah, know the... what the nor- Northeast <laughs> makes me think of? What? Cold misery. Cold yeah. misery. It probably You know, is another fun cold. fact, this, the pilgrims actually didn't eat turkey for Thanksgiving. I already knew that, James. All right, okay. James. Let's, well, let's quit some people's holiday. <laughs> oh my gosh, James. Yeah, think about all those people's holidays you just ruined. They just blew their mind. They're crying. They're upset now. And you did that to all of them while they're all at the table together. I can't believe you would do that, James. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, oh, man. I think that, well, for Patreon this week, we're getting spooky ooky, right, you guys? Um, yeah. 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 It, it, James is handling an after dark, so we are going to be talking about something that we wouldn't normally talk about on our regular episodes. Mm. It's going to be a little bit darker, a little yeah. bit more R-rated. It's going to be a lot darker. It's you're going gonna... to be scared. You're yeah. going to be scared. James has already prefaced me. Yeah. We're recording it after we record this, and he's told me that I will not sleep tonight. So, is this the Cinemax or the Skinemax of Thirteen? Uh, it's Lord the Chiller. <laughs> okay, or the Sci-Fi. Okay. Oh, oof, I don't like it, James. This is but the Shutter Channel, where it's just all yeah. horror. Yeah, but patrons, yeah. you're probably going to hopefully get a little spooky ooky out of that. So, tune in tomorrow when that is going to be released. And then, James, do we have an icebreaker? Uh, yeah, I got to thinking about it. You know, we, we talk about tech a lot. And I was wondering, was there any at any point in your life where there was a technology that a lot of other people just openly embraced, but you were like very averse to? You were like, mm. you were a very slow adopter, possibly because you were concerned. Yes. Okay. What's yours, Alex? Well, it's, yeah, it is a technology, Facebook. Hey, oh, that, yeah, that, was gonna be, that was going to be my answer, too. I nice. was very late in getting a Facebook. That's so weird. I, I was, one. I mean, we talked about it in the previous episode, but I was a very late adopter to the point that my friends made a fake account of me. Yep. I was forced to make an account. My friends forced me to make an account. So that's, that's what happened to me. That is yeah. so weird. I don't that like is it. Is that where everybody's Facebook comes from? <laughs> they are all forced. It's, to it's all a gunpoint. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. you guys, but mine was a gunpoint. But uh, so I, I was the funny thing is, is like I was all in on MySpace, and then when that craze was dying down, you know, Facebook comes, and I'm like, I just like you have to have Facebook. Well, and I'm just like, I'm kind of done. Like, I don't really need it. And sure enough, I got one, and I really I didn't use it very much. No, you still don't use it very much. Even, even back when, like, when it was for, when I first got one, it was really hardly used. Yeah. And, I deleted mine recently, and I don't miss it. So, mm. um, another thing that always really freaked me out, James, and this is like I'm sure these freaked other people out too. But Furbies, I had a Furby uh-huh. that would 
talk to me in the middle of the night. Like it would wake me up in the middle of the night. And so. Cece, I like your PJs. It would make these really weird (laughs) noises. And so I would put it in my closet and hope that like it being dark. Oh, that's not better. That's terrifying. They got something calling to you from your closet. Yeah. Funny enough, the same people who made the, the fake Facebook account, they had a Furby. I never had one. And they they put it in the fireplace, and uh, <laughs> and I mean, like as it was burning, it was like, <laughs> which was just mortifying. Yeah, that would be pretty scary. Those those things were really creepy. Ugh. James, what's your answer? Um, I grew up in a household that was very. I think I've mentioned this in passing before. Very slow to adopt the internet, Ooh. and we of course because we also lived in the middle of nowhere. I had dial-up till I went to college. And when I went to college, I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe. <laughs> like, I, I basically went from, like, I don't know, 1995 to 2004 in 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember dial-up. I remember my mom getting so angry at me if I was on the Internet. She needed to use the phone. Oh, yeah, that was that was awful. I remember yeah. that, too. I don't, I don't miss that at all. Sometimes it's like I wish we could go back to the simplicity that was life back then. But I remember it wasn't till college that I realized you didn't need AOL to have the internet because <laughs> oh my, <laughs> my dad paid oh, for man, AOL discs, for years man. and years. And I'm the one that after I went to college, I guess it was right before college. I'm the one that showed him like, hey, you don't actually have to be paying for this anymore. And he was like, oh, I don't. This is oh, yeah. They got they they. Milked you guys for all you were worth. Yeah. Well, you guys, with that, I think it's time to talk about some scary things. Just like AOL Instant Messenger. Man, I hated that thing. Spooky ooky. Spooky ooky for reals. But James, what are you talking about again? Um, I'm talking about two things. One's real brief and then the other's the main attraction, which always seems to happen. Uh, I'm talking about geoengineering real brief and then I'm talking about Neuralink. Okay. Okay, so... I'm going to start off with just geoengineering, which is a neat concept. It's the idea of altering climate change by absorbing a bunch of CO2. That's sort of the logic. And there's four ways that a lot of people proposed it. Uh, One, well, two really uh, are a single thing. The idea of getting sunlight to not be absorbed as as much by the atmosphere. And there's two ways of doing that. One, spraying seawater into low-lying clouds. Why? Well, the, the salt in composition is going to make them brighter, and so they'll reflect more sunlight. Now, that's not the end of the world. The only downside with that is it would lead to a higher sodium content rain, and a possible side effect of that would literally be just soil slowly degrading over time to where we all starve to death. So that oh wouldn't work gosh. out. Um, another <laughs> one is actually spraying sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere to do the same thing, bouncing that sunlight back. The only downside of that is we don't even know long-term what doing that a lot would do. The mm-hmm. third, and I, to me the least scary, even though it's creepy conceptually, would be just be having whole forests of just artificial trees that absorb and store CO2. Now that's, I've seen plenty of uh, hmm. like pitches showing those. And the only thing that's weird about it to me personally, is just they don't look like trees. So forests of that would, I think, take up a tremendous amount of space and drive out a lot of wildlife that are already becoming endangered because of habitat loss. So that's where we run into issues there. I'm not saying that's impossible. To me, again, that's the most benign. 
the spookiest to me, even though it's also probably the most plausible, you'll notice nobody's done these in mass yet, and that's because of the possible unintended side effects, and that's what makes it scary, is what if they do it, and then these things happen? And the biggest one to me is, uh, you know, the biggest consumer of CO2 on Earth is oceanic algae, because one, the ocean is huge, and two, algae absorbs CO2. So just by virtue of those two things, it's a great way to get rid of excess CO2. Billions of tons, if I remember right, are actually absorbed by oceanic algae every year, and that's the way they currently are. Well, here's a fun fact about this algae. <laughs> they love iron. Like, it's a big part of their diet. So if you spray a bunch of iron into the ocean, you'll cause big blooms of the algae, and they'll eat more CO2. Hmm. Now, do you guys have any guesses as to what might go wrong with that? Lots of stuff. Sounds like. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest is, you know, we associate algal blooms with mass die-offs of other animals. Yeah. Because algae oftentimes choke out certain uh, compounds that are necessary, like oxygen. And then another issue with, is that they produce toxic compounds. So, I mean, it's literally when you hear about people who get sick from eating shellfish, usually it's because of some sort of compound in, in algal blooms. So... What if what if we drive uh, the algae to a point where they're just out of control? Uh, that that's something that happens a lot ecologically. In fact, most ecological problems that we're facing come from us using organisms in a way that they didn't naturally evolve to be used, and it getting out of control. Ooh. Quite often by accident, but in this case, possibly deliberately. So. I just thought that was worth talking about. And the reason why it wasn't like a full-fledged topic is because it's just a little too short. So mm -hmm. on to the main topic, though, and that is Neuralink. Now, I don't know about you, Cece, but I know Alex and I are both big Musk fans. <laughs> but yes. this this is something that creeps me right out. And and it's the, everybody is probably relatively familiar with Neuralink I've, just because of... I've huh? talked about it once before on the show. Uh, when was that? It was an AI episode. Fudge. Did you talk at length about it? Do I need to change topics? Um, maybe. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Snap. I, I do not remember it. that. I talked about it pretty heavily. Okay. You know wow, what? I thanks mean, for I... listening to me, James. <laughs> We've done like almost 150 episodes. I can't remember. Um, I mean, really, like, like next month it'll, we'll hit That's 150. Fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, Simpsons episodes. I don't remember them either. But uh, <laughs> but I got a backup. I got a backup. Okay, good. Um, sorry, this sorry is to actually... burst your bubble, James. I, no, you know, when you I... said Neuralink, I thought to myself, I bet you he's going to talk about some things that I didn't talk about. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, no, I talked about just basically all of it. Uh, okay. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for giving me the green light. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, no worries. No worries though. I got. I got one. I got a backup. She sabotaged uh, you, James. She did. In fact, it was it was going to be the next episode that we did on Scary Tech. Actually, um, fun fact, I have a not really a, a good background, but I have a small background in biotechnology. I actually was originally a biotech major in college what and so yeah yeah I, I, you know it's weird i never talked about that have i no and <laughs> i uh so like i took a lot of courses on biotech and genetics and things like that i mean i i remember we had to sequence like the dna of a scale insect and we did uh uh shoot what's that test they do for a certain disease that's big right now pcr what? i remember having to do pcr on a lima bean things like that but <laughs> 
the bottom line where I'm going with this is just biotech in general, because biotech does scare me. I think there's absolutely a place for it in the world, but it's not out in the world. That's that's what frightens me about biotech. So is that why you the, dropped that uh that particular major? It was one of the biggest reasons. Um, that and and the fact that I also looked into it for forensics, and it was quite traumatic. <laughs> not even going to talk about that. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So because it is a big part of forensics. Um, yeah. But anyway. Biotech, for those of you who don't know what that is, and, and, and I'm just going to go ahead from here on out and just refer to it as genetic engineering. Um, what, that, what that is, is you are taking a, gene, a gene and typically we associate, and this is sort of like one of the Mendelian laws that we hear about is one gene, one trait. So you take a gene from another organism and you plant it in another organism in order to get some sort of trait effect from one organism to occur in another. And one of the most spectacular and obvious versions of this, you can go to your local PetSmart and see, and that is glowfish. Yeah. Yep. Because these are, these are fish that have had a gene from a jellyfish that causes them to be luminescent implanted in their body. And what's really, really fascinating about that is it means that we can take traits and sort of make designer animals or designer plants. And there's a, there's a huge possible advantage to that. One that people, um, it's, it's kind of hard to argue against, would be like golden rice. Golden rice is rice that contains a lot more nutrients than any kind of standard form of rice. And as a result, there are, and this is, this is not an exaggeration, there are people who have staved off malnutrition and survived because of this genetically modified organism. The only issue that I take with it, and this is where it becomes scary, and it, it ties in, it dovetails directly with what I was talking about before regarding like algal blooms, is nature, as I've said before, is just war and love. That's all nature is. It's literally just every single species exists for the continuation of their species and the possible evolution of their species. And to a lesser extent, you could say every individual exists for the continuation of their own genetic line. It's literally why humans fight wars. And yet we have it in our own hubris, this notion that you can modify an organism, giving them an advantage over other organisms, and then put them out in the world. And they're just going to behave the same way. And that's not necessarily the case. And a perfect example of that would be BT corn. Um, I'm a big fan of BT used in agriculture, actually. A lot of people don't realize that BT actually stands for something that's its own organism. It's, it's not just an acronym. It stands for Bacillus thuringiensis, And Bacillus thuringiensis is a naturally occurring bacteria that you find in the soil everywhere. And different subspecies do different things, which is really interesting. For example, Bacillus thuringiensis israelensis, guess where that one's from? Uh, has a tendency to infect the digestive tracts of mosquito larvae and kill them, which is why it's what's found in those little mosquito dunks that you see at Lowe's. And on the flip side, uh, Bacillus thuringiensis um, tenebrionidae, I've used that for organic farming. I've used that because it infects the digestive tracts of Colorado potato beetles and other beetles as well and kills them. So it's really useful because a human being can literally drink this stuff and it's the same as drinking water because the bacteria aren't going to do anything inside of a human being. 
and they're not going to do anything inside the stomach of, say, a honeybee or a ladybug. Well, ladybug's a little iffy because of the tetanity subspecies. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. Don't quote me on that one. But you get the idea. You can target certain species using a bacteria, and I think that's a great means of, of, of using science to improve agriculture for the benefit of people and their ecology. <clears throat> the downside is when you start inserting those genes into other organisms. And this is where I was going with that, is Bt corn. Bt corn produces the same toxins that Bacillus thuringiensis produces that kills whatever host it happens to infect. Now, there's two problems with this. One, it means that it's not going to be species-specific, so it's going to kill a number of, of insects that happen to ingest it. It's not going to be necessarily toxic to humans for the same reason as why Bt the actual bacterium isn't. But here's the issue. You're giving this corn a leg up on other plants. You're, you're giving it a huge genetic advantage that it could never evolve. It would not happen. It's not going to evolve a bacterium's um, toxin. That's not going to just naturally transpire no matter how hard you try to selectively breed it. And one thing that came across as, as shocking when BT was kind of in its heyday was Massive, massive die-offs of beneficial organisms, including butterflies. And lo and behold, there was an instance where one of these species that had been modified, one of these, these corn that had been modified, began to rely more on wind pollination than other species of corn, which corn is a rather wind-pollinated kind of plant anyway. But when that was observed, a lot of scientists started sounding the alarm because this was an instance where it, it was making use of that modification to evolve in a way that might not necessarily be good for humans. And that's where I'm going with this. My biggest concern regarding uh, engineering an organism, it's not that I'm like upset about it morally and I'm, I'm just, you know, waving my hands and clutching my pearls and screaming, you know, this is immoral. You're, you're defying God by putting genes of one thing in another. That's not the chief issue. The chief issue is the fact that every single organism you see evolved on this planet in an arms race. And that arms race has certain rules and laws to it. Not, not because, I mean, again, there's no real laws when it comes to competition, but there are certain things that are, let's say, legally in place just because everybody's confined by their own uh, natural state of being. A perfect example, human beings had to invent guns because it's not something that ever would have just transpired. Under no circumstance would apes have ever evolved gun barrels attached to their bodies or anything remotely <laughs> approaching that. So that's what I mean when I say laws. I'm, not, I'm talking about natural laws, not, not everybody having some sort of natural armistice and, and playing by certain rules or anything. The moment you separate the distinction between those species and the natural course of their evolution, the way they're just naturally going to speciate over time. Again, that, that tree of life image. What you're really doing is you're creating an impetus for those organisms to make use of, of that new gene in a way that might not be good for, say, every other species in that ecosystem. And that's why I'm all for genetic engineering in a laboratory. And I'm even kind of on the fence about genetic engineering for humans in the sense of like eradicating genetic diseases, for example. But I'm absolutely not okay with the idea of genetically modifying an organism and then putting it out into nature where it's competing with all these other animals and, and plants. And now it has this incentive 
to capitalize on whatever that new trade is in a way that might really, really come to bite us in the butt someday. Doesn't even have to be short term. It's still very concerning to me. I think that a lot of yours really comes back to that fact that there could be unintended consequences for everything that occurs. Yeah. And unintended consequences of, say, a drug, you repeal the drug. Unintended consequences of a technology, you replace the technology. Unintended consequences of something that can reproduce on its own and can just scatter throughout the wilderness, what are you going to do about it? I mean, what can we do about these accidentally introduced animals that I was talking about in the just a moment prior? You know, what are we going to do to stop emerald ash borers and Japanese beetles and pythons in Florida? There's not a lot we can do. Nope. Well, what happens when we come up with something similar that's that's actually a domestic species, but it's been engineered in some way to where now it's kind of alien? Mm-hmm. Giant. So, yeah, that's my chief issue. That's, that's my segment. That was a good segment, James. I'm sorry you, you didn't get to do Neuralink, but I really like what you did instead. Huh. Good deal. I think I'm going next because Alex is talking about something that I'd never heard of before, which I know you don't know yet, James, but... You've probably heard of this. Yeah, you probably have. But anyways, I'm going to go next. (laughs) If I can log into my computer. Okay. All right. So you guys, today I have chosen to talk about something that doesn't actually sound very scary. Like everybody's heard of this and you probably hear it and go, oh, that's kind of cool because it sounds kind of cool. But actually, it's a little bit creepy if you stop to think about it. And that is self-driving cars. Yeah, lots of people see them and go, just go, wow, that's so cool. But I have a, an old pal who actually has one. He posts a video online of himself, quote unquote, driving it where he's not really doing it. He's on his phone just like, and it <laughs> was you. driving itself. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know why that just creeps me out because it's like seeing seeing him in the car driving with all of these other cars driving around him. I don't know. I see plenty of people driving around while doing exactly what you described, but they, they don't have a self-driving car. Yeah, that's true. Say, yeah. That's true. You probably paid about as much attention as everyone else. Well, mm-hmm. when I started doing my research on this, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of the movie Minority Report, which, mm-hmm. Alex, add that to our list. I want to watch it again soon. What list? I, we're what, making what a list. list. We're making a list right now, and that's the very first thing. <laughs> but anyways, you guys, I got my research from hotcars.com. Hot cars? Hot cars. Okay. Dot com. So let's talk about things regarding self-driving cars that are just not okay, you guys. Let's talk about those things. Well, and I'm, I'm going to preface this with a note that this technology is going to improve over time. So this, you know, in a couple of years, everything that I'm saying right now might be addressed. But as of right now, there are so few rules and regulations surrounding driving cars because it's kind of like self-driving cars. That's because you don't really know to create a law until something happens that warrants having that law. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of gray area when it comes to self-driving cars. But... The first thing that I'll mention is that what are these cars going to do in emergency situations? What do you mean? Oh, well, oh I know it there where you're going with this. This is yeah. the whole like rules of robotics type stuff. Well, well, yeah. Asimov stuff. Yeah. If you don't know much about self-driving cars, 
you know, these, these are things that have a ton of sensors and various gadgets and they're able to assess the road and driving conditions. But at this point they require fairly good conditions and roads in order to kind of be safe while driving. So let's say that you're on a road that is just like covered in potholes and you're just like, you know, tossed around like a little rag doll in your car, or you've got a, a, a faded crosswalk. And so the car isn't able to be able to like, oh, that's a crosswalk up there. Or what if you've got jaywalkers walking around or heaven forbid, you've got a broken traffic light. Now you've got, you've got to, you know, hope that your car is able to properly read and decipher the situation that lies ahead of it. And, you know, there is that, that situation where it's like, okay, there's an emergency that's right ahead of me. Is my car going to sacrifice me? It's supposed to be keeping me safe. Is it going to sacrifice me or is it going to sacrifice all these people that are in front of me? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's confusing. I think the thing here is that it's like, that creeps me out is that you've got to hope that your car doesn't get confused. you got to hope that an object doesn't get confused so that it can drive properly on the road. That creeps me out. Does that not make you guys uncomfortable thinking about your car getting confused? A little bit. But <laughs> yeah. Guy, like Joe James said, like, as bad as people drive themselves, I'm like, maybe we should just let it be automated. This is one of those things I'm like, I don't trust people. Oh Most gosh. of the time I look at someone's car, they're playing Candy Crush while driving. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you guys. Well, fortunately, there are only about 1,400 of these cars on the road right now, and many of them are actually being tested by various companies to see how safe they mm. are. That's per policyadvice.net. Uh, and there have only been a handful of accidents so far, which is good. But it's kind of hard to, like, judge, like, is this amount of accidents normal or is it just because we only have 1,400 of them on the road? Mm. But in 2016, a Tesla driver was killed in an accident. His name was Joshua Brown, and he put his car on autopilot, and the car was unable to identify a white semi-truck that was crossing the highway. Not sure if maybe the semi-truck, like, blended in with the, the what lied ahead, but mm. it slammed into the semi at full speed. So accidents with these things do happen. And and then an Uber self-driving car crashed into a pedestrian in 2018, killing a woman who was crossing the road on her bike. And according to police reports, the driver was streaming an episode of The Voice when it happened (laughs) on his car, was not paying attention to the road, and his car only identified the biker 5.6 seconds before impact. So... Like, these cars are not, like, perfect by any means. And neither are their drivers. Why, why, of all things, are you streaming the voice? The voice. <laughs> you know, what scares me the most about them, though, is the possibility of it being used by corporate oligarch overlords type stuff, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Like, hey, car, this isn't the way to work. Our records show that your social credit score is too low, taking yep. you to education camp, you know, something like <laughs> yep. that. Well, that's that. And then the doors lock, and you're like, ah, <laughs> we should take in the bike. Yeah. Well, I my second point is who is responsible if your self driving car finds itself in a pickle? What if you get into a fender bender or worse, an accident where somebody gets seriously hurt? Again, rules and regulations for these things are few and far between right now. So if your car is driving somewhere and you do crash into somebody, the driver could say, it wasn't me. It was my car that did that. Like it was self-driving. So would that put the manufacturer at blame or possibly the people who built the AI that drives the car? 
So mm. right now it's a very odd kind of little area where it's like, who is liable if these things do crash into other people? For that case that happened in Arizona with the Uber self-driving car where they ran into that biker, they did rule that that crash, at least Arizona ruled that crash was not Uber's fault. It was the, the driver's fault. Mm. But I really didn't like the voice. No, <laughs> but that's another area that's kind of kind of a bit odd when it comes to these things. And then my third point is what if your car glitches? Computer Computers glitch, okay? Mm. And like it happens on my phone occasionally where it's like I'll be on my phone and then all of a sudden it'll just like stop working and freeze up. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is like the most annoying thing in the world. Can you imagine if your car did that and it just mm. came to a sudden halt in the middle of a busy road? Mm. Yeah, and these things have to be connected to the mm. internet. As far as I know, they have to be connected to the internet. What if you're driving, you're in this perfect area, and then all of a sudden the internet goes away and mm-hmm. your car just starts to fritz out because it's like, you know, I know how annoyed I get like when there's a DNS attack and the internet goes out for like my cell phone. Everybody's just like, grrr, like, you know, fuming. What if that happens for your car? Yeah. And what if I you're not at home? Know. What if you're like somewhere where you shouldn't be and then you're just stranded somewhere? And I know that these cars also have, they have different levels of control. So you can go from autopilot to, yeah. yeah, at least right now. I did read that there were some people who think that it should just be autopilot all the time. I don't think that's safe at all. They should also have uh, emergency stop buttons. I believe that those are also on there too, but I don't know. It's just like, it, it, I don't know. It just freaks me out. Okay, you guys. Freaks you know, me it's out funny, it's a, a lot of people argue that this is just a natural progression because, you know, there was the horse and there was the car and now there's the automated car. And I want the best of both worlds. I want an automated horse, like a cyber horse, like in Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> All right. Well, James, <laughs> did you know that the first driverless car was technically made in 1925? What? Yes. No. no. Yeah, it was, uh, I can't remember who created it, but in New it York City. It runs on opium and cocaine. <laughs> A guy got in it, pressed his foot to the gas, and said, Ma, look, no hands. Well, it technically, <laughs> it was not, quote-unquote, self-driving like we think of it. It was created by this guy named Francis P. Houdina, and he attached this antenna to it, and he was able to control it with a remote from the car It was an him. RC car. It was, yeah, it was like big. Yeah. That was the long, the long thought dead Houdini. Just He changed his name Houdina. to Houdini. <laughs> well, it was... Technically, quote unquote, driverless because there was not anybody sitting in the front seat while it was driving. So that was technically the first. It's still really cool. Yeah. Yeah. People were like, oh, my gosh, that would have amazed me back then. But okay, my last point, you guys, since you guys are shutting me down at every corner with this thing, (laughs) as to why self-driving cars are creepy. Okay, And James, this kind of goes back to what you said. What if your car gets hacked? Mm -hmm. It's connected to the Internet. It should have that emergency stop button. But if somebody hacks your car while you're headed somewhere to the grocery, who's to say that they can't override the you know manual drive that you're doing and be like, okay, we're going to lock all your doors and we're going to take you somewhere where you don't necessarily want to go. So yeah. it's 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 connected to the internet. It's hackable yeah. some level. Hmm. So, and then also what if somebody does a ransomware attack on your car and they like lock you in it and turn off the air conditioner and they're like, unless you give us, you know, 
a million dollars, we're not going to let you out of your car and you're going to fry in there. What if mm. What if Ed Sheeran's holding a concert and <laughs> he takes over everyone's car and makes all of them come to his concert? Oh my gosh! You know, you know that would be that would be quite the marketing endeavor if yeah. you're in your self-driving car and then all of a sudden it's like this one one musician everybody starts playing the same song no matter what you're listening to you're all gonna listen to this particular artist uh, yeah Rick Roll the World yeah Rick Roll the World I like it <laughs> um, but you know with this thing being connected to the internet you are also it's constantly taking data on your location at any given point in time so anybody could use that to track you and follow you anywhere so counter here is technically anybody could do this with your phone too but don't even counter me okay i'm tired of you guys countering me today what countering you this is this is what i get for telling james that i did Neuralink. Anybody wants to roll the world. I think <laughs> I think I think the hacking aspect is definitely the most concerning. That's and, why I saved it for last. And honestly, I didn't even think of I didn't even think about the glitch. The glitching is like it's inevitable because how many times yeah. does your phone have an issue? Yeah. It's like it's not a perfect technology yet. I know it will get better in the never future, but will it's, be. Yeah, it's still always going to have some aspect of. You know, this is not, no technology is perfect. Mm. So I think it is important to note that these cars, again, do have different levels of automation. So you can turn your car into manual and drive manually, or you can drive, you know, in different levels of, hey, I just want my car to assist me if there's a hazard in the road and it'll take over for a second to get around it. But I don't know. I fatalities are still very low at this point though again i'm not sure how we can really take too too much data on that just since there are so few on the road but i don't know (laughs) i don't know you know and there it's not just personal cars that are out there too there are also self-driving semi-trucks that they're testing and all of these things which makes me worry instead about just the state of our economy and how many people would lose their jobs if it's like all of a sudden we don't need truck drivers we don't need any of these people anymore you all are fired sorry for your luck we're gonna have an automated semi-truck do this instead which Mm -hmm. i thought was very interesting earlier this week we actually got a notice from our garbage collector company that they said that due to labor shortages and then just the increase in prices for all of the various materials they need, they are cutting their staffing and they're going to be automating a lot of the process. Mm -hmm. And that beginning January 1st, anything that is outside your trash bin, like if you have, you know, a piece of furniture you want to throw away, they're not taking it anymore because there's not going to be somebody to come out and pick it up. So Mm -hmm. it's just, there's it. I'm just, I don't like it, you guys. Yeah. It makes it, I'm weary of these self-driving cars at this particular point in time. Yeah. That's something you don't want to, to mess up. What if it like mistakes people for garbage? Starts Thank compacting you. them. Oh my gosh, James. <laughs> it just drives by and picks up a jogger. Oh it's my the worst gosh. Christine sequel ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I have on self-driving cars. What, Alex? It's your turn. All right. So I'm here. Yeah, I'm here you to are. talk about microelectromechanical systems. What? Or MEMS for short, M E M S. Or even not so shorter, 
Smart dust. What is smart yeah, dust? Oh. Mm, you may be wrinkling your nose a little bit, maybe scratching your head, well, maybe scratching your bottom. I didn't a like that curious. response from James. Yeah, I like it. That's why I know I'm onto something good. Something <laughs> yeah. Like that. Um, so, you know, you probably wonder what the strange thing could be. Well, it's described as a system of many tiny sensors, robots, or other devices that can detect things like light, temperature, vibration, magnetism, or chemicals. Now, now, I know, I know this sounds like something that is in a science fiction movie. Probably, oftentimes, it sounds like there's some fireworks going off here. It's popping off. Um, I can't hear it. Probably even used by bad guys, typically, in a movie. But, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just fiction, right? <laughs> like, Silly this you. This is so theatrical. Silly yeah, I'm you. Say that. <laughs> I'm bringing the drama today, okay? So, you were wrong if you thought any of that was right. Smart dust is actually being used in a wide variety of applications. Let's take a look at some of the applications from the article on edtechmagazine.com called Smart Dust, the big education impact of IoT's smallest device. Alex has has hand gestured towards something invisible in the air as though he has Um, a slide next to him. (laughs) I did. I did. I got a presentation here. Yeah. So surely it isn't any part of the products that are out right now. Wrong. Currently, the smart dust sensors are being used to power safety mechanisms in vehicles. Some of the some of the MIMS are in airbags, and they actually are these little pieces of machinery that have accelerometers in them, and they've been pretty useful. So so far, they've been leading to increased deployment time uh, in the airbags. They also increase their performance and the cost of the airbag or, or decrease the cost of the airbags. Is it, is it like actual dust, like tiny, like dust or is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like a little tiny sensors. Okay. That's crazy that they're so small. Yeah. They're so, they're very small. Um, and also like you could see it on your finger, like one of them, like a like, little grain of like sand. Micro, like, yeah. And also, also government, Mandated like that you have prior mandated that you have tire pressure sensors in your cars. Well, a lot of the cars are starting to use MEMS to accurately collect that data. Now, the cool thing about these is that they do so by using the car's vibrations to charge themselves. They they use the vibrations as a power source so they can operate Hmm. and measure the measure the pressure. So is that in my car right now? I don't know who all's cars, but yeah, some cars. My, it, like, it, it's in a lot of cars now. Okay. I think that it... Yours is newer, so pro- maybe. Maybe. Wow. So yeah, complete insanity. <laughs> when So when they built the One World Trade Center, they put MEMS in the actual concrete blocks to ensure that everything was correctly laid at the base. So they just use those little sensors in it. Now... Trippy. Here's another interesting application. They want to use it as part of a smart food, or a, sorry, a food packaging system. Um, mm. See, when I say smart food packaging system, it smells like it's like a popcorn. Like I know, popcorn, that's, what, that's what makes me think so, it's <laughs> smart popcorn. But it, it, a smart packaging system for food. There we go. It's essentially mm. these little dust sensors could be used on paper or plastic. And what it could do is accurately tell you how fresh the food is. 
Now, uh, the idea is that maybe you would have an app on your phone and you could see, like, actually how fresh this food is. Or if you're, like, a clutter forking there, you can see what is good and what's not. What if they try to poison me, though? What if it's, like, I was about hey, to say, this meat's our real sensors good. indicate your social credit score is too low. Yeah. Now your Ben and Jerry's is poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought that was a pretty cool application. Now, there is this other application, too. Some are calling it neural dust now some dust uh, some of this dust has been tested on some rats so they inject some of the dust into the into them and it helps monitor and even control some of their nerve and muscle activity what now these pieces of dust much like the ones in the car wheels don't require batteries instead they use ultrasounds to generate energy energy and take measurements um, while they're powered on. Mm. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, oh, well, there's nothing here that could be used nefariously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can assure you that only good things can come from injecting robots into your body. Yes, that's what it's... Uh, no. Yeah, so... At, at some point, at some point, we're going to have to live stream me forcing you guys to watch that video where you can turn... A actual living roach into a remote controlled roach because it's not that hard. I don't want to, James. Mm. Yeah. But but mm. neural dust has or sorry, um MIMS have a lot of applications that could be used in medical field. You know, you could use it to target cancer, you could use it to do all kinds of things, you could use it to control somebody. Oh, sorry. You could use it to <laughs> um <laughs> to hurt and poison. Oh, sorry. You could use it to do all kinds of easy monitoring and know where people are. I mean, they're wanting to use this on campus, at some of the campuses, to um, identify where people are. So whenever there's an emergency, they like, oh, hey, uh, Chucky over there, he's in classroom 3B right now. Last time our sensors checked in on him. If I remember wow. correctly, that's called cluster reporting. Mm. So there's... <laughs> Some interesting and safety applications, but this is one of those safety applications I would just rather not have. <laughs> you know, I, I could be okay maybe with little robots targeting cancer, but I'm also like, that can get nefarious really quick. Um, so I'm not quite on board. <laughs> you don't like the idea that somebody could take control of your mind and body well I, I what i really don't like is i don't like that like i could see this being really useful for uh i know i know people have been getting bell's palsy lately um from some things going around and i know that people have parkinson's so i could see this being really useful for that right so yeah. it's, it's it's generating these it could generate like these slight electrical stimulants to uh give you more control over your lips. Well, That'd be kind awesome, of like right? Neuralink, like the same type of mm -hmm. application of Neuralink. Yeah. And so I think that there's some really cool potential there and I am down for that, but still kind of scary. Um, and if there's another solution. Yeah. Well, again, the, the bodily control, I, mean, I swear it's the last time I'm going to do it, but you know, our records show your social credit score is too low. <laughs> now you can't walk. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, I, I'm not down for these being injected or any, really in a lot of ways. But, you know, if you can help someone with Parkinson's, then maybe that'd be okay too, you know? All this stuff is just so, like, there's a, a, a good side and a bad side. Yeah. yeah, a scalpel can be used to save somebody's life or slit their throat. Yep. Dang, James. But I think it's just interesting. I mean, we, we already have technology like this that can be uh, batteries that can be generated by movement and that type of thing. But to have these little machines are just like, when you go for a jog, you're just charging these bad boys up because of how everything's vibrating. Um, there's just all kinds of ways that they could keep these things charged. It's just interesting. Hmm. Terrifying. Well, you guys, that is some, some examples of scary technology out there. I don't like any of it, y'all. Mm. I get it, but like also, ooh. Yeah. I'm not down. With some of it. <laughs> yeah. There's certain <laughs> applications that's like, oh, that's cool. Well, same with James's stuff. But like James said. You can use a scalpel to save someone's life or kill. Well, you know what I want to do? I want to draw some bangs. Am I supposed to be digging already? Yes, pick one out. All right, you guys. Next week, we are talking about haunted prisons. Mm. Yeah, and this topic was submitted to us by Bobby in Philly. Nice. Bobby... Thank you for submitting this topic. Thanks, Barbarino. It's not something I think about very often. Haunted prisons. Or Barbarina. Barbar- yeah, you don't know. It could be Barbarina. Thank you, Bobby. Yes, thank you. Um, is there anything that you guys want to add before we say, see you later? Don't eat the dust. <laughs> don't eat the dust. <laughs> also, our music is brought to you by Brent Cook. You can find his music on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. All right, you guys. Well, until next week, we hope that you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving and we hope that you can keep it strange. globalists they're lying to you they want you to think ham comes from pigs but i've seen it ham comes from cows